Let me pray, and then I'm going to talk to us about gratitude today. So we're doing this sacred summer. We're wrestling through what are some things that we need to be about in the summer, and one of those things is gratitude. So let's pray. God, thank you that you're a God who lavishes his love on us. Thank you that you are our Savior, that you are a God who gives us what we need every day. And at times we'd love to have more. At times we wish you would heal quicker. At times we wish you would bless faster. But you're a God who knows what's best for us. Teach us what it means to be content, what it means to live lives of gratitude. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. I love what Philippians 4 says. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to grab your Bibles. Go to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't, just pretend that you've memorized it and uh, that you're really intelligent. Or just listen to what I say uh, from Philippians 4. So here's Philippians 4. Okay, so verse 10 says this. And this is Paul writing. I rejoiced greatly. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned, this is Paul, to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any situation. Whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I have wants, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So some of you, when we read that last verse, you probably went, oh, okay, I kind of know where we are. We've kind of ignored the first few verses, so that kind of gives us some context. You know, this summer, uh, because we've just come out of COVID, I think you can handle six, six points. So this is like a bonus Sunday for you. Normally, you pastor, you have three. We're going to go with six just because you look really intelligent. So six, six points we're going to talk about today. And we're going to try not to have our sheets blow away. So if we, if we make it through this, maybe God only wants us to have four points and sheets will blow away. So... You know, the interesting thing is, and we learned this in COVID, is that our life is really comfortable, but it can be frustrating. So we have all this new technology. You heard the word Zoom fatigue. You might have got tired yourself of Zoom. The interesting thing is growing up, my grandparents were in Ontario, and I would have loved to have Zoom as a grandkid to be able to see my grandparents. And so technology's improved, but as a society, we actually are getting more spoiled, we're getting more insulated, we're getting more entitled. And all those things actually add up to a life of discontentment. You know, we might have Thanksgiving where we look for that in October and we make a list of all the things that we're thankful for, but the unfortunate piece of a broken world is that we're a lot of times discontent. A lot of times we don't have gratitude. 
I think it's easy for us, especially this summer, to be really discontent. I mean, how does that person get to go on a vacation? How does that person get to do what, what they're doing? You know, I lost my job. I, I don't have the resources to do that. So how do we actually stop? How do we rest? Like Tim taught us a few weeks ago, how do we actually find contentment in this season? I want to read Philippians chapter 4 again to you, and then we'll go into my six points. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Paul's talking to a group of people. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Maybe some of us felt that in COVID. Indeed, you were concerned. I'm not saying this because I have need, Paul. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever situation I find myself in. I know what it is to have needs, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content no matter what situation I find myself in. Whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether I'm living with much or little. And then that verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's that familiar verse that catches me. It's one of those verses that maybe we have it on our wall in our home or it's on a sticky note somewhere where we can remember it. The interesting piece is that verse, when we take it out of context, sounds really great, but when we put it in the context that Paul's talking about, it actually has lots to do with contentment. The people in in the church in Philippi were an interesting group. They had sent Paul a financial gift. They had supported Paul's ministry in the past, but this time they were unable to send him a financial gift. And so they were sending him something else. Verse 10, Paul is thanking them for this this financial blessing. He's saying, thank you for demonstrating your concern for me. You haven't always been concerned, but this time you were and you didn't have an opportunity to show them. So he's thanking them. Here's point number one. Here's the interesting point. God always provides for us, which always equals contentment in us. Okay, so let me say that again. God always provides for us, which always provides contentment in us. If you and I don't believe in the providence or the sovereignty of God, then you and I are never content in life. If we see ourselves as victims of circumstance, you and I are going to be miserable. God is in control even in the last 18 months, and his good blessings... His good gifts are always flowing. God is in control even when a situation or hardship comes our way. The the secret to contentment maybe this summer, summer of 2021, is never forgetting that God's in charge. Paul says, thank you for this gift. I appreciate it. But contentment doesn't come from my material things. Look back at, at verse 11. Contentment is a learned behavior. Paul gives that great description like whether I have lots or I don't have much, whether I have food or I don't have food, Paul's teaching us here that it's a, it's a learned behavior. 
you know, it's not one of those things that naturally comes easy for me. It's not a reflex action. By nature, I'm a complainer. I grumble. I whine. When I got married, I quickly realized how selfish of a person I am. Probably the most, exa- the most obvious biblical example of this truth is found in Exodus. The people of God were under terrible slavery and oppression. So God sends in Moses to set them free. God miraculously keeps granting their requests. He frees them. And what do those people start to do? They start to complain. Well, we don't like the food. We don't like the route. We don't like where we're going. It might have even been better back there. It's hard to read Exodus without going, why didn't Moses just throw up his hands and go, forget this. So you and I don't have to learn how to complain. We're pretty good at it. You and I have to learn how to be content. I wish that our world actually would teach us that. This summer, my family, Maris, McCulley, and Michelle, will take Morgan, our dog, out of it. We're trying to refocus our attention onto what we have, not what we don't have. We're trying to move away from those minor inconveniences that seem to trap us into going, there's lots of people who would love to have this inconvenience. You see, true commitment, uh, sorry, true contentment is not always being comfortable and getting my way. If that's the only way that I can find contentment and peace, then I'm going to be unhappy a lot. It isn't found from what's happening externally. It's actually found what's happening internally. All right, point three. Some of you are wishing we could go to Swiss Chalet. I hear it's closed in Airdrie now. Contentment isn't about our circumstances, okay? Contentment isn't about our circumstances. In verse 13, if you go back there, Paul explains that, that contentment doesn't happen because of our circumstances. He says this, I know how to get along with, with very little. I know how to live in prosperity. I know how to live in any and uh, in every circumstances. I've learned the secret of when I'm hungry or when I don't have anything. Paul had been poor. He found contentment there. Paul remembers when he was wealthy and well-fed and he found contentment there. Paul found when he would been imprisoned or mocked or persecuted or even shipwrecked. There were times when he was surrounded by lots of loved ones and time when he was all alone in jail. Through all of life's ups and downs, Paul learned the secret of being content. He had learned the secret. And the secret had nothing to do with what he had. So what's the secret? The interesting thing is the big secret to the contented life is actually found in that verse that we all know, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, contentment only comes through him who strengthens me. Contentment doesn't come from, I can do all things if Matt figures out the way. Contentment, number four, is only found in God. True, lasting, lifelong commitment is only possible when you rely on Christ. 
Verse 13, better translated, would say this. I have strength for every circumstance through him who gives me strength. I can't and I won't be content without him. It doesn't matter how great my circumstances are. Without Christ, I don't have the ability to enjoy life. To enjoy life. This just makes sense. If all my life is about monetary attempts at happiness and pleasure, if all my life is about no real understanding of what is going to happen in eternity, then contentment will just be elusive and fleeting. So many of us are unhappy in our jobs. We're unhappy in our marriages. We're, we're not happy with our self-image. We live for the weekend. We trudge through the week. No matter what we do, we can never shake off that gnawing sense of anxiety, of there's something more. For some of you this morning, that's what COVID's felt like. You feel like you have a big weight on your chest. Just because we place our faith in Jesus doesn't mean that contentment suddenly magically appears or that discontentment walks away. Contentment is a learned behavior. Go back to what Paul said. I have learned to be content. It takes a specific work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It takes time. So how do I learn to be content? The last two points have to do with that. Point five, obstacles to our contentment. What are some obstacles to our contentment? It's not the person sitting beside you, so you can take that out of your mind right now. Hebrews 13, verse 5 through 6 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Because God, our Father, has said this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Many of us can jokingly say this, man, if I only won the lottery, if I only had a little bit more money, if I only had a little bit less debt, if I only had a little more stuff, this summer I want to challenge you with something. When you hear yourself say, if only... Get rid of that in your vocabulary. The love of money is not only the roots of all kinds of evil, it's an empty love. It never satisfies. That's why the Bible talks about it being really hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So Paul, back to Paul, he says this, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content with little. I love when I had lots but I'm not going to let the little rob me of joy and peace. Maybe a, a, a contentment killer that you have in your life, which is similar to me, is envy. Envy is being greedy for what other people have. It's always looking that there's something better out there, that somebody's figured it out better. There's a reason that not coveting is in God's list of Ten Commandments. Ten rules. See, envy, coveting breeds selfishness and, and in there, there's sin. If we look around, envy and greed has done significant damage around us. 
Paul says this in 1 Timothy. I love these words. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. We're going to take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we need to be content with that. The world doesn't owe us anything. We're not any more special than the next person. I think this is the hardest for us as Christians. Discontentment manifests itself in self-righteousness, holier-than-thou attitudes, looking down at our nose at people. We need to not be like that. Let's keep moving along. The, the, The sixth reason, the sixth statement you and I this summer need to build a life of, comp- of contentment. Okay, so we can actively learn contentment in a couple different ways. The first one is the hardest. We actually have to open our wallet. <laughs> the second one is the next hardest. We have to open up our time. We have to open up our schedule. If you want to learn contentment this summer, you have to be generous with your money, and your time. You know that sense of peace and joy that you get when you serve? Why wouldn't we want that more? When we give our time, our energy, our resources to help others, it just helps us. It reorganizes our priorities. It reminds us how blessed we are. The more you give, the more you realize that all that stuff isn't that important in your life. The more that we are greedy and we hang on, the more selfish we become. Start by giving. So here's the second thing when we develop a life of of contentment. We need to become thankful people. How often do we dwell on good things? How often do we tell our spouse how much we appreciate them? How often do we thank God for our home, our job, our car? James 1 says this, Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, my family, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith actually develops perseverance. Then later he says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God doesn't waste anything in our life. Contentment is an outward, is an outworking of our faith. It's an outworking. It's, it's something that is the end result of our faith. That's why Paul could promote this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, who strengthens me, whether I have lots or I have little. So here's some challenges for you this summer. This summer... I want you to make it a point to rest in Christ's sufficiency. Paul, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Tim talked to us a few weeks ago. I want you to trust him in every trial. So when a trial comes, I want you to to trust God. And I want you to be thankful. I want you to be content this week with something that's nagged you in the past. I want you to to get to a place where you're actually thankful. In God's economy, there's always abundance. Think about the big catch of fish when Jesus called Peter and the feeding of the 5,000. 
there was always more than enough. There is always leftovers in God's economy. So this summer, how do you need to experience the abundance of God? And then the final challenge for you this summer. I want you to honor someone that you are grateful in your life or your ministry, your neighborhood or your community. I want you to celebrate them in some way. When we celebrate others, it always brings contentment. Let me pray. God, thanks for my friends. Thanks for chickens that are reminding us that that your world is very creative. God, we thank you that you care even for the chickens. You care for the birds. You care for us. Thank you for the sun that's beaming down on us. Thanks for the different relationships that are represented here. May this summer we learn the gift of contentment, of gratitude. Thank you for the reminder from Paul's life, somebody that we could look at and go, the amount of times that Paul was in jail or in chains without food, and still he had joy. Lord, we love you. We ask all these things in your most powerful name. Bring us back together when you see fit. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.